Cryptically Yours Creepy Tales. Join me, your host, Grace Stone, as I take you on a journey to explore the creepy mayhem of the world around us. Growing up, most kids had imaginary friends. My playmates were more of the, <laughs> let's say, mortality-challenged kind. It left me with a lifetime fascination of all things supernatural and paranormal. So, grab your salt, your iron, and whatever protective magic you've got as I bring you stories of ghosts, curses, urban legends, and so much more, including some stories of my own devising. Each week, you'll get to decide, are the stories I tell fact, fiction, or somewhere in between? Cryptically Yours Creepy Tales is available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Music, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Go to crypticallyyours.com and become an official member of the Cryptic Crew by signing up for our newsletter. It'll keep you up to date on the latest news, events, and special offers. You can also hunt us down on your favorite social media platform. We're cryptically yours, everywhere. And always, always, remember to keep it creepy, cryptids. you two have. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You won't trick me to come outside or to let you in. You both know the rules. Your domain is out there, not in here. <laughs> go on, go on and get now, or I'll send Larry out there after you. You both know better. You can't trick me with those windows of the soul. It'd been a busy week for Tish. 
She'd practically begged the clock to go faster at work this afternoon, knowing full well she had the weekend off. Being a police dispatcher, he needed those mental health breaks that so many sing virtues about. It'd been a rough mental week for sure. Tish recognized the number on the caller ID. It was old Shiloh. He'd been a paratrooper in Vietnam, and he came back stateside without so much of a scratch on him physically. Mentally? He saw gooks, old Shiloh's completely politically incorrect term for Viet Cong, as well as the epitomous Charlie, at the bottom of the basement stairs and in the shower waiting for him to enter the bathroom. As a little girl, Tish knew old Shiloh had a good heart, but a feeble mind. His visual and auditory hallucinations made him the laughing stock of many of the Erie's children residents who poked, snickered, and rolled their fingers at the sight of their temples, indicating he was crazier than a shithouse rat. Old Shiloh sounded legitimately scared when he had called, though. This was not an emotion Tish was familiar with. Nothing, rattled old Shiloh, even with his advanced case of post-traumatic stress disorder. He'd known Tish's parents, and, oddities aside, old Shiloh was a good man. So, speaking to him had never presented a challenge until today. And oh, what a challenge it was. Erie 911, will this be police, fire, or medical? The normally loquacious Shiloh queried. Shiloh? Hey, is everything okay? Tish inquired. Tish was the nickname given to her by her boyfriend, Craig, who Jeannie never called by that name. His nickname was Gomez. They were the local Halloween decorating contest champions and adored everything scary. Thus, the nicknames given to each other, Gomez and Morticia, from the Adams family fame. Old Shiloh was not himself. What's happening? Tish's mounting concern was palpable. Nothing right now. It was last night. Old Shiloh spoke barely above a whisper, remaining ever so patient. Trish replied, What happened last night, Shiloh? You don't sound like yourself, and it's worrying me. Jeannie, don't you worry your pretty little head about me. Harry and Virginia did a fine job raising you. I guess it is taking your little sister. Granted, old Shiloh was never known to mince his words, but this was strong, even for him. What was even worse? He wasn't wrong. Time to get him reined back in. Well, I don't think you called to talk to me about my sister's promiscuity. What's going on with you, Shiloh? Tish was sensing his reluctance to just spit it out. It was as if he was having second thoughts about placing the call to begin with. I had visitors last night. Shiloh barely spoke above a whisper. Visitors? Tish queried. Old Shiloh never had visitors. Hell, he'd been living all by himself ever since Rose died. His saintly wife was married to him for 50 years, only a month before she had passed away from a fatal heart attack. To say old Shiloh was lost, that was an understatement. Shiloh was nothing without Rose. He met her in August of 68, right after he came back stateside from Vietnam in May of the same year. It was love at first sight for old Shiloh, but Rose needed convincing. 
She mistakenly thought Shiloh was a mama's boy, but he worshipped the ground Rose walked on. He was not. He was simply in love for the first and last time. Tish was really surprised with how well old Shiloh was able to pull through the second, roughest time in his life with the aid of Erie's town folk. And, as Elton John famously quoted, when it comes to old Shiloh, I'm still standing. This... This was different. This was not the Shiloh she'd known for the last 53 years of her life. Old Shiloh trailed off. He shut down again. Look like kids? What made you think they weren't kids, Shiloh? Tish was nervous and antsy. This felt wrong. Something was off. There were two of them. A boy, brown hair, pale skin, and probably 12 years old. He had a little girl with him about seven. Also dark hair, pale skin. Shiloh was intrepid. Tish quietly listened as Gomez and some of the other deputies were laughing in the office behind her. She gave them a scornful look, and the guys piped down. They knocked at the front door after an hour after the sun went down. I didn't have the porch light on. The screen door was shut and locked, but the wooden door was open. I turned the porch light on so I could see them better. They were both looking down at me. The boy whispered something, but I couldn't hear, so I asked him, Shiloh let the floodgates burst forward. Sir, may we use your phone? We've gotten lost and are scared. We need to call our mother. Please let us in, the dark-haired boy requested. I've never seen you kids around here before in my life. Who's Who's your parents? Shiloh knew everyone in Erie, Indiana, but he'd never seen those odd looking kids. Sir, please let us in. We need to call our mother. She'll be so worried. The dark-haired boy practically recited word for word what he'd already previously said, which really riled Shiloh up. Boy, you deaf. I asked who's your folks. Shiloh continued to give Tish the play-by-play. Sir, please. We are cold. We are hungry and we are scared. Please let us in. The dark-haired boy sounded rehearsed and mechanical. No! There's something not right here. Old Shiloh didn't survive a hot tour in the jungle because he didn't have good instincts. Sir, please, if you can just let us in. The dark-haired girl then chimed in. Old Shiloh knew instinctively not to trust these two, but found himself being drawn to them paradoxically. His hand reached for the storm door to open it, even though every fiber in his being told him not to. What the hell are you kids? Because you ain't human. Old Shiloh was more nervous now than when he was a tunnel rat. Both children looked up to Shiloh simultaneously. What he saw scared him worse than any night he'd spent in the jungle. Their eyes were black. Not just the pupil. The iris, cornea, and pupil were all black. But not just any black. The deepest black. Pure obsidian. The answers to all the galaxy's most burning questions were in those pitch-black, bottomless depth eyes. No! No! Now go away! Shiloh slammed the wooden door and locked it. He watched as the black-eyed children walked to the end of his driveway and onto James Dean Boulevard. 
They went off into the night, and old Shiloh didn't see them anymore. So you thought they'd return? Tish was a tad overwhelmed. Old Shiloh had audio and visual hallucinations, but it was always fellow soldiers, the Viet Cong, or the North Vietnamese army. It sure as hell wasn't black-eyed tweens. Delusions of persecution certainly isn't anything new to Tish when it came to old Shiloh, but this was different. Shiloh was full of doubt and self-defeat. Never in his life had old Shiloh backed down from a fight. This? This was uncharted territory. Want Don to swing by on patrol tonight? Craig and I are having a little evening out, so he won't be on. Don would be glad to do it, Shiloh. Really. Comforting and reassuring old Shiloh was Tish's main concern at the moment. Old Shiloh always had a way with words. Okay, I'll tell him, but remember to use the non-emergency line next time, Shiloh. Can't tie 911 up with non-emergent calls. Tish gently scolded. Fuck that non-emergency number. Jeannie girl, it prompts me to press one for English and two for Espanol. And bullshit, I just called 911 to get a hold of you. Shiloh wasn't about to call an automated line. That just wasn't how he did things. Tish was the one that could handle his problems. She was the good sister. Okay, okay, Shiloh. I'll tell Dawn. You just take it from me. Rose wouldn't want to see you like this. Tish was truly concerned. Jeannie girl, my Rose can't see anything anymore. And with that, he hung up the phone. The guys were still hanging out in the office, a bit much quieter. Sorry about that. We didn't know you were on the phone. We wouldn't have been telling jokes if we knew you were on the phone. Gomez sheepishly looked down at the table, where he was seated with two other deputies, Don and Bubba. It wouldn't have mattered. Old Shiloh was renting so much, he didn't even hear you guys. Tish dismissed. Old Shiloh? What put a hair across his ass? Don asked. He said two kids came by last night about an hour after dark, wanting to be let in the house. He was uncharacteristically afraid. He said they just kept repeating to let them in so that they could call their mother. He felt something was off. Something wasn't right. Tish trailed off. Kids? Who's kid? Gomez spoke up. He didn't know. He even asked the kids who their parents were, but they just kept asking to come in the house. Tish replied. Anyway, he said when he really got scared was when both kids looked up at him, and their eyes were black. Their eyes were completely black. Tish kept relaying everything old Shiloh told her. Gomez, Don, and Bubba looked at her as if she had grown a second head. I'm just telling you what he said. Tish defended. When he saw those black eyes, he panicked, slammed and locked the wooden door, and told them to go away. They did. Tish finished. <sighs> so, what does Lieutenant Dan want us to do with a couple of kids with colored contacts breaking the local crazy Vietnam vet? I offer for you to swing by his place on patrol tonight. He was pleased with that. Tish informed. FFS? Fine. Bubba and I can swing by a few times tonight, as long as it shuts that old crazy bastard up. Don resigned to his fate. You know, Don, no one will ever accuse you of being too caring. Tish just rolled her eyes. BTW, 
What was the joke you guys were laughing at? Tish suddenly remembered. All right, all right. There was a young Indian warrior who asked the tribe's chief one day how he decided on all of the babies' names when they were born since he was given the honor of naming all of the children. Bubba began. He said, My son, if there is an eagle flying over when a child is being born, I call that child eagle flying over. If there is snow gently falling when a child is being born, I call that child snow gently falling. But tell me, two dogs fucking, why do you ask? Bubba finished to a second round of uproarious laughter. For Christ's sake, Bubba, you ain't got a lick of sense. Gomez wiped a tear of laughter from his eye and proceeded to leave Bubba and Don in charge while he and Tish left for the day. They got into the SUV and headed towards the Blue Bayou Creole restaurant. Most quaint and quirky hometowns have one little restaurant everyone loves. The Blue Bayou was Erie, Indiana's version. The seafood buffet on Friday nights were always a hit. As much as Tish and Gomez were homebodies, they did enjoy an occasional night at the Blue Bayou. Bubba and Don drank coffee and told more dirty jokes. Swinging by old Shiloh's place a few times tonight will help break up the monotony. Pearl Bastard didn't mean any harm. He was just messed up in the head. Kids with all black eyes? What the hell was that all about anyways? Old Shiloh really wanted to believe Tish. He really did. He knew deep down inside if Jeannie, Craig, and the boys at Erie PD couldn't help him, no one could. Well, he has his shotgun on the rack, but who would threaten to shoot children? He saw enough of that chick cleaning out villages of their denizens back in the jungle. He never intended to live that kind of hell again. Strange looking kids or not, they still at least looked like kids. He just couldn't bring himself to shoot a child. Tish and Gomez sat and ate and caught up with the day's activities. Old Shiloh was really that scared, huh? Gomez asked Tish in a low voice so others couldn't overhear. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. It was unsettling. Tish was clearly still bothered. I'll remind Don later on tonight when I check in. I promise. Gomez reassured. Please do. I've never heard fear in his voice before. It's really got me shook. Tish slowly relaxed and let the stress melt away as she took another spoonful of gumbo. Consider it done. Gomez smiled and began eating as well. Shiloh was nodding off in his recliner. The sun has dipped below the horizon. Was that a knock? The house was dark, but Shiloh knew his own home. He slowly got up from the recliner and proceeded to the door. Could it be? He hoped not. Even as much as he knew those little demons were going to return, he had really hoped he'd be wrong. One quick look through the glass of the wooden door proved he was not. There they were. Same dark-haired pale boy and girl, 
but there was something different this time. There was a third party out there, but the darkness prevented him from making out who it was. This third party was taller and bigger, clearly an adult, but that was the only clear thing. Please, Shiloh, let us in. We're cold, we're hungry, our mother is worried. Both children said in unison. The third party waited in the wings. I don't know you little motherfuckers, so how do you know my name? Shiloh raged. He was still scared, but more angry now. Rosie told us. Both children simultaneously chirped happily. Wait, what? Rosie? Rosie as in my Rosie? The Rosie I cruelly lost just four Januarys ago? Rose? What the hell you mean, Rose? Old Shiloh thought he had lost what little mind he had left. Something happened that flipped Old Shiloh's words upside down. Rosie. It was Rosie. Bigger than shit, it was his beloved wife of 50 years. How, though? It couldn't be. He saw her on the slab in the morgue when he had to identify her. It couldn't be. She was four years in the ground, yet there she stood, behind the black-eyed children, looking at him with the same set of obsidian black eyes. Rose? That can't be you. You died a month after our 50th anniversary. You've been gone for four years. Old Shiloh's mind was reeling and he didn't know what to do. Don't you love me anymore, my dear? I thought you'd be happy to see me. Rosie smiled a smile that would have otherwise been beautiful if it weren't sitting below two pitched black eyes. Don't ask silly questions, Rose. You're the only one for me. Always have been. Always will be. Shiloh was opening the screen door. The dark-haired, pale children grabbed the storm door from the other side and pulled. Rosie with a sinister grin and black eyes moved forward. The children and Rosie crossed the threshold and immediately afterwards, Shiloh let a scream coming from the death throes. As painful as it was, at least the ripping out of his throat by the children's mouths was mercifully quick. Bubba, you were one redneck peckerwood cracker. Don rolled his eyes as he drove along at a steady pace patrolling. You know I'm right. You just don't want to admit it. Bubba was getting equally irritated with Don in his response. Don's wife, Allison, was indeed Tish's little sister. She was also the town doorknob, as old Shiloh not so eloquently called her. She was well known to everyone as Erie's town slut, even though she married Don 10 years ago. Guess it's true what the song says. You can't turn a hoe into a housewife. Dude, I know you love her, but she's always gonna be the town whore, man. Bubba tried backpedaling at least some. Will you shut up? Will you shut the fuck up? I'm tired of hearing this shit. Don lost it and blew up on Bubba. Bubba in turn shut down and stopped speaking. 
they rolled onto James Dean Boulevard and proceeded to old Shiloh's place. It was dark, lonely, and isolated. Shiloh was never one for neighbors, but something seemed even more off. Something just didn't seem right. Isn't that what Tish described earlier when Shiloh spoke to her on the phone? She said she heard fear. They'd never known old Shiloh to be fearful. Today, all that changed. Don and Bubba slowly crept up Shiloh's long driveway. Don tried rolling the spotlight on the cruiser up onto Shiloh's front porch. It was still a weak beam of light, but was getting brighter. What the fuck? Don hit the brakes. What is it? Bubba looked at Don like he was absolutely crazy. The door is open. Actually, both of them are. Don shone the spotlight onto the open screen and wood doors. They could tell both doors were open, but could see nothing else due to the darkness. I don't like this, Bubba. Don was intrepid and softly pressed on the accelerator. Don, should we call Tish and Gomez? I, I mean, I know it's their night out, but... Bubba trailed off. They sat in the driveway next to old Shiloh's porch. Other than both front doors being open, they couldn't see a thing. Don and Bubba slowly approached the porch, guns drawn. It was dark, but something was lying just inside the open front door. As they advanced, it was boots. Jump boots that had high polished shine. Those boots were connected to legs. Shiloh's legs. Jesus Christ! Call for a bus! Don yelled for Bubba to radio in for an ambulance. Shiloh laid at the entrance to his home, flat on his back, staring with dead, cold, wide-open eyes straight to and through the ceiling. A look of abject horror plastered all over his face. His throat was ripped out almost to his spinal cord. Oh, God. I'm gonna puke. Bubba ran back outside, where the evening's coffee went all over the sidewalk. Call the coroner, too. This is gonna be a goddamn circus. Don didn't attempt to get a pulse, considering Shiloh's carotid arteries and jugular vein had been viciously ripped out. Bubba wiped his mouth and started calling all the necessary people. Don stood next to Shiloh with his hands holding his head in disbelief. Our first kill was a success. The dark-haired boy said to the creature that looked like Rosie. It was. This time. We must improve. We must refine. If we don't evolve, we wither and die. What would the point be to just stop at the first kill? The colony could never advance if we never pursued other avenues to further our agenda. The dark-haired pale boy and girl nodded in sync with everything the creature that looked like Rosie said. Is this how our occupation of Terra was really going to commence? Given everything the Alliance taught them, they thought the humans would be more violent and aggressive. Perhaps the distant study of the terrestrials proven incorrect in practice in comparison to theory. Perhaps the terrestrials will gladly cease resistance when they realize just how futile it will be.
Gomez and Tish pulled into their driveway and heard barking. They'd gotten a German Shepherd pup when Quentin Tarantino's The Strain was on TV. As a joke, but also because they loved the character, they named him Thomas Einkorst after the Nazi vampire who was one of Guillermo del Toro's most powerful villains ever created. No one put much thought into the name choice considering they loved all things horror. What the hell is Eichhorst going off? He knows it's us. Gomez couldn't understand why he barked at two people he never barks at. I can honestly say I'm not even surprised after this day. Tish exhaled and proceeded to get out of the car. Einkors continued the call of his people. Ike! Einkors! Knock the hell off! Gomez yelled so Einkors could hear because he was behind the chain link fence in the backyard. He acted like he didn't hear a word. As they got closer to the house, they noticed Einkors was not barking at them. He was barking at the woods behind them. He sees something we don't, Tish matter-of-factly stated. She and Gomez simultaneously turned to look at the woods. Nothing. No noise. Nothing was there. Einkor stopped barking as soon as they turned towards the woods. Everything stopped. What the hell is going on, Carolina? Gomez was starting to experience what Tish had all day long. I don't know, mon cher. I just know I don't like it. Tish continued glancing into the trees. Probably time to sit back and relax. You've had a bad day that ended a rough week. It's time to just chill. As if knowing what Gomez had just said, his city-issued phone started ringing. Nope. Absolutely not. I'm off tonight. What's so critical that Gomer and Goober can't handle it? Gomez could feel his blood pressure start to rise. Find out what it is first, Craig, before you go into a meltdown. Tish always called him Craig when she was irritated. Hello? Gomez did a poor job hiding his inconvenience. Hey! It's old, it's old Shiloh! You gotta get over here, Gomez. It's bad. It's so bad. Bubba was inconsolable. He was on the verge of tears. Whoa, whoa, whoa slow down, Bubba. What happened? Gomez tried bringing levity. We came by to check on him when we were on patrol. He was in the doorway. He was... Bubba finally started crying. He hated it. The last thing he wanted to do was cry in front of his co-workers. He just simply could not process what the hell they'd rolled up on. Wait, old Shiloh is hurt? Gomez was trying to process what Bubba was saying. Tish's brow furrowed. She didn't like what she was hearing. I mean, if you consider her dead with his fucking throat ripped out of his spinal cord, then yeah, he's hurt. Bubba's anger at his own insecurities was boiling over onto Gomez. Look, Bubba, clearly you guys have been going through something over there. I'm headed that way. For future reference, don't take your shit out on me. I didn't do anything to you. Gomez scolded. Sorry, Gomez. Just so... And Bubba broke down further. Gomez hopped back into the car. What's going on? Who was that? Don? Bubba? Tish was concerned. Hop in the passenger side if you want to find out. I have to go. Gomez started the engine. Tish walked around and got in.
They pulled into Shiloh's driveway behind the eerie Indiana patrol car. Bubba came running out to greet them. Don is in there with him. The paramedics just got here a few minutes ago. Bubba proceeded to catch Gomez up. He and Tish had been so busy looking at Bubba and the patrol car, they didn't notice the bus parked to the side of the house, ready to pick up old Shiloh. Tish and Gomez entered the threshold, where old Shiloh laid on his back, staring at the ceiling. His throat. Jesus, his throat. It was gone. They both were rocking back on their heels. We thought it was a big cat attack. It's not. Those bite marks on his throat, that's human, not feline. Kennedy was an intelligent little bastard. Arrogant, condescending, and holier than thou, but very intelligent. Not only would he inform all of the insubordinates around him about everything they didn't know, he'd do it with one hell of a cocky attitude. Ah, Kennedy and his unsolicited lessons. Time to sit up and listen in class. When he opened the door, we thought it was an animal attack. Instead, he must have been attacked by humans. Those bite marks definitely indicate human, but the vicious nature of how deep the wound went indicates something much more powerful. This was to his spinal cord. Kennedy didn't look like he knew it all. He looked perplexed. But how could a human bite that deep? Gomez asked. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Kennedy was lost for the first time since becoming a paramedic seven years ago. He'd never seen trauma of this caliber. He hadn't even seen this level of brutality, and he'd rolled up on gang fights. Don and Bubba were both on the front porch, looking in, mouths agape. Gomer and Goober indeed. Kennedy loaded up old Shiloh's body with the assistance of a new EMT that Gomez was fairly certain Kennedy was banging. I mean, he was a total chad, so why wouldn't he? Don put the camera away in the trunk of the patrol car. At least he had the presence of mind to get the pictures taken before the emergency services hit the scene. This was going to rock Erie, Indiana's foundation. Murder hadn't happened here in anyone's lifetime, so this was a big city problem they weren't used to dealing with. Nosy people, scared kids, idiot media. This was not what Erie needed right now. It certainly wasn't what he needed. He had enough with Allie putting out for anyone that would buy her a six pack or some cigarettes. Had he known he could have gotten off so cheaply, he sure as hell wouldn't have married her. Unfortunately for his dumbass, he actually fell in love with her. Why? He didn't know. Self-esteem was never his strong suit. So, after dating six months, for only cheating three times, then getting pregnant with his baby, he made the perilous decision to try to make an honest woman out of her. Don sincerely doubted if Allie had ever been honest about anything in her life. Coincidentally, when they came back from their honeymoon two weeks later, she'd miscarried. Well, she claimed she miscarried. Don never saw a pregnancy test, nor would he have been 100% sure the baby was his. He would have actually suspected the baby was not. Looking at it all now, how did he not see it sooner? Get those pigs ASAP Rocky, Don. Gomez instructed. Please don't be an embarrassing Gen Xer who thinks he's so cool and up to date on all the current lingo. 
They laugh at us only a little less than the boomers. Tish was still trying to get a handle on all of this, and his goofy antics weren't really in need right now. The woods to the side of old Shiloh's place was the same as the woods to the back of Gomez and Trish's driveway. Einkorts couldn't understand why his humans didn't acknowledge his bark. He never barked. He especially never barked at his humans. Why did they think he had? Didn't they see the kids in the woods? The little boy? The little girl? How could they not? As far away as the kids were, they smelled funny. He didn't understand. It was the same smell in the air that he had sensed right before thunderstorms began and he hid under Gomez and Tish's bed. Humans don't smell like that. It's impossible to explain ozone to a German shepherd. The children watched as old Shiloh was loaded onto the ambulance and taken away. The couple were getting into their car, and the deputies were already headed down the driveway. It has begun, the dark-haired, pale little girl spoke. Indeed it has. Let's see what Venerate has in store for the humans now, the boy replied, and they headed towards town. Erie, Indiana was like any other Midwest small town. You had your good old boys and jerks. You had freaks and geeks. You had Bible thumpers and always humpers. Allie Hoff was the always humper category. No one nor nothing could change that. The girl went through life bartering sex and blowjobs for anything she needed. It was a pitiful existence and she knew it. Unfortunately, she never learned and didn't know any other way. With Erie being so small, she was limited to the same favor givers over and over again. Never any new blood, never any fresh meat. It really stifled what few prospects she had. She looked up from where she was slumped over the bar in her bar stool, nursing a bottle of beer. She happened to look up to the front door. Who was that? She'd never seen him in here before. He was 6'3", with dark wavy hair and ocean blue eyes. His skin was sun-kissed, and the muscles showcased the entire package. Wait, what the fuck? This dude doesn't belong here. Who the hell is he? He appeared to glide and almost float towards her. He gestured to the empty bar stool next to her. Is this the taken? He smiled with almost glowing white teeth. Wait, he wants to sit next to me? She just shook her head no because she was too shocked to speak. Hi, I'm Benny. He extended his hand and his gleaming smile never faltered. Uh, Allie. She finally squeaked out. Guys like this didn't talk to girls like her. Nice to meet you, Allie. Benny swung around and attempted to get the bartender's attention. I'll have a Jack and Coke for the lady. Vinny slyly smiled at Allie, and she was entranced. The same was all Allie could say. He paid for their drinks and handed Allie's hers. I've never seen you before. Allie just finally came out with it. No, I'm new to the area. You wouldn't have seen me around here. Vinny replied. Oh, uh, new from where? Allie was trying to proceed with caution. She did not want to miss out on the opportunity that was this gorgeous specimen of a man. You've never heard of it, trust me. No one ever has. Vinny still held his smile. 
I'd still like to know. Allie returned a smile that was nowhere near as beautiful as Vinny's. Maybe when we get to know each other better. Vinny conceded. Oh? So we're going to be getting to know each other better, are we? Allie coyly pressed. If I have any say in it, most definitely. Vinny winked. Damn, that boy was so fine, she'd drink his bathwater if he peed in it. He was the perfect vision of the perfect man. It was as if he were tailored made just for Allie. How, though? How could she actually meet her real-life manic pixie dream boy? The one she'd dream about when she was a little girl. The one who laughed at everything she said, listened attentively. The one who only had eyes for her, no matter how many rich bitch girls were around. She'd treat him like a postage stamp. She'd lick every inch of him and go back for seconds on the important bits. Allie, you strike me as a very straightforward girl. Vinny snapped her out of her gaze. I am. No bullshit. Allie replied. Then, allow me to be straightforward by telling you that I want to fuck you senseless. Vinny casually stated, as if someone asked him for the time. Well, that is certainly straightforward. Allie was stunned. She wasn't so stunned that she'd let an opportunity like this pass her by. She'd made up her mind that was going to happen as soon as she saw him. And your answer? Vinny inquired. Anywhere. Any place. Any time. Any day. Allie assured. With that, they stood up from their barstools and headed outside. Even smelled good. But not a typical smell. It was like the air at the beginning of a thunderstorm. He smelled like ozone. Ozone? Was that even possible? Gomez and Tish got home and plopped on the couch. Einkors came through the doggy door and trotted straight to Tish. I've got leftovers, Piggy. Give me a sec. Tish opened her container from the restaurant. Einkors sat patiently, waiting for his command. <sighs> what a fucking day. Gomez exhaled exhaustedly. Yeah, it has been. Poor old Shiloh. This is just too much. Tish's head continued to try to find rationality where there was none. I'm getting in the shower and going to bed. You need anything? Gomez slowly rose up from the couch, joints popping like a glow stick. No, I'm probably going to watch a movie and go to bed after. Tish answered. Horror? Gomez queried. What else? Tish smiled to bait a tired one. Einkors jumped up next to her on the couch and laid on her like a lapdog. Vinny was walking Allie into their local little flop hotel room. It wasn't like she wasn't familiar with this place. The staff referred to her as the frequent flyer. She didn't particularly like the insensitive moniker, but couldn't deny its accuracy either. He closed the door behind them in one failed swoop. This was a practiced talent, she noticed. Didn't matter. He was hers tonight. Make yourself comfortable. Vinny gestured to the only bed in the room. Allie took a seat. She looked up at him and noticed the ozone smell become stronger. Weird. He smelled good, but she had never known someone to smell like a thunderstorm. I'm going to step into the bathroom for just a minute. I'll be right out. Vinny stepped into the adjacent bathroom. 
She heard loud music and laughter from somewhere down the hall, but couldn't quite place where. It was for the best. Allie had always been, well, vocal, normally, if a guy is hitting it right. She hit the vocal range of two stray cats screwing. She couldn't help it. She was like this ever since puberty. It was all the girl thought about. She figured she was probably a nympho, although she was never officially diagnosed. She couldn't hear what he was doing. It didn't matter. It wasn't going to affect her and what she was doing. She walked to the curtains and made sure they were completely closed. Although they were, why did she feel like she was being watched? She stripped down with the efficiency of a hazmat worker decontaminating. She heard the bathroom door open. She kept her back turned so she could make the surprise last as long as possible. Was this the night? The night she could finally reach sexual satisfaction? Was this the dick that was going to change her life? There was a soft green glow coming from the bathroom. Must be a nightlight. She hadn't noticed before. Was it getting brighter? It looked like it was coming towards her. Was it Vinny? Maybe he was videoing her. Not like she cared, but he could have asked. Are you recording me? She asked as she continued to look towards the window. His breathing was different. It seemed labored and, well, wet. It didn't sound like he did earlier. That was for sure. Are you okay? Allie asked. His breathing was raspier, louder, wetter. She decided to bail on her romantic idea of not turning around before he reached her. She turned around and her playful nature and smile fell away immediately. Her brain couldn't process what her eyes were seeing. It couldn't be real. God knows along with banging any guy she could get her hands on. She used to hit hard drugs back in the day. This had to be a flashback. It had to be a fear and loathing in Las Vegas scenario. This, this Mars attacks bullshit right here. This is not reality. Its bulbous head was transparent. It looked like a barrel-eyed fish that she saw on the nature show she used to blaze and chill to. That also explained the soft green glow. It sounded like and looked aquatic. That's where the wet sounds were coming from. It kept advancing. It had a white upper torso with arms and webbed fingers on each hand. What sent her over the edge? From the waist down, it was a human male. All the important parts in working condition. How? She had no idea, but when she meant working condition, it was working its way right towards her. Wait, this thing is going to still have sex with me? No, absolutely not. No, stop. Allie feebly tried to resist. It did no good. Allie didn't know she was the reason he was even here. This was the whole game plan all along. It was never a casual hookup. Venerate had studied numerous different civilizations, but terrestrials always fascinated him. They were so primitive, but also entertaining. The Alliance had tried many different hybrid trials between themselves and terrestrials. They never made it out of infancy. There was a weakness that needed strengthened in their own DNA to combine with humans. They worked on it, until their resolution was venerate himself. 
He has the best of what their kind has to offer, with the malleable adaptivity to change himself into anything he needs to be, to be able to convince terrestrials to trust him. It worked. Old Shiloh thought Venerate was his deceased wife. Allie thought he was her dream man. He needs a human to impregnate. Beggars can't be choosers. It worked out perfectly. Allie took one look at his bulbous, transparent head, his lower, non-transparent, stiff head, and proceeded to pass out on the bed. It didn't matter. Venerate didn't need her awake to begin their hybrid breeding program and begin the program he did. Everything was coming to fruition via the Alliance's vision. All of their hard work finally got them here. The pale, dark-haired children stood outside the hotel window, peeking through the cracks of the curtain. They were able to relay the mission of success with Venerate making first, second, and third contact. Once the younglings come forth, the Alliance can begin occupation. And what a glorious day that will truly be. Everything was going so perfectly. This just had to be foolproof. They walked off into the night, smiling so much those obsidian eyes even looked less demonic. This was the beginning of prosperity. This was the beginning of the end of humanity. This has been a Morbid Forest production. And on this week's episode, you've heard The Windows to the Soul, Part 1 and 2, Shiloh's Final Battle, by Kim Sandlin, with narration by Naomi Richards, Ashley McAnelly, Matthew Trevino, John Portry, Story Alexander, Kyle Bone, Ron Hyatt, Devin Bohr, Jessica Hart, and Phoenix Fire. Our theme music this season is For I Had Died Long Ago Inside This Place by Valentine Wolf. I hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed Kim's story this week because as I said, this is part one and two of her very interesting sci-fi horror tale. So look out next week, guys, for parts three and four. As Sean and I look towards season five, yes, you heard that right, there will be a season five. We are interested in hearing your stories and your voice on the show. So, are you a horror writer out there? Interested in hearing your words come to life? Then go ahead and check out our submission guidelines and send your story over to themorbidforest at gmail.com. I'll leave a link in our show notes for our submission guidelines on our website. Follow us on Twitter or X instagram and on discord to stay up to date on all the happenings within the forest interested in more morsels of the forest then join our patreon as a faithful traveler you'll receive exclusive access to episode releases a bonus series and deals on merch for only three dollars a month that's patreon.com slash the morbid forest and are you loving what you're hearing then leave us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform that's the best way to help us get to more travelers out there just like you. And with that, we'll see you next week, travelers, on The Morbid Forest.